Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalms 127. I'm just going to do what the Lord would have me to do this night. Is that okay? You know, oftentimes we try to get so much in, in, in our services that we can fall short of fulfilling what the plan of the Father is. Did you know that? Did you know that? We can try to do so much, see, that we are not sensitive as we should be to do what the Father's will is. What is a successful meeting? Is it one getting saved or one getting spirit-filled? I believe a successful meeting is one that accomplishes the purpose of the Spirit in that meeting. And if you do that, whether you ever see a miracle or not, it doesn't have to be seen, then you're being successful and flowing with what God is doing. And there's some things I need to share with you that God is doing among us and wants to do. And of course, before He can do those things, He needs us to cooperate with Him. Now, I believe that we are all participants here this evening. And that's why I've been led to teach along these lines in our Wednesday night services. So if you'll find Psalms 127, I will reiterate a few points made last week. And we'll pick up from there and go on. Psalms 127, verse 1. First part of the verse says, Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, our Father, we give thanks to you for your holy written word and the anointing that's upon your word and for the fact that we can trust our lives to its provisions. Thank you, dear Father God, for ears to hear, hearts to be receptive, minds to be open as we, as an act of our will, purpose to hear and to receive that which you have to give by your Spirit. Thank you, dear Father God, for the anointing and for utterance to boldly proclaim the truth and demonstration of the Spirit and the power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, is everybody awake? Is everyone excited? You love God's holy word? You ready for a good meal? You good and hungry? You consider it more than your necessary bread? For the Word of God is alive. It's full of life, giving power and energy. Amen. For the just shall live by signs and wonders. Huh? For the just shall live by spectacular manifestations. For the just shall be maintained, upheld, and sustained by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Glory be to God. Eight years ago, I shared with you that there came upon my life a calling, an anointing, and of course I was appointed. Of course the call comes to many. 
Many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. Say amen or say ouch. The call I said comes to many. Many are called, but few are chosen. But you see, the call came to me. Of course, this was uh, longer than that. This was about 11 years ago. And, of course, the anointing came along with that call. For the anointing was recognized immediately as I began to minister God's holy word. But the appointment, or the appointing, God's appointing upon my life, came eight years ago when he said to me, after giving my wife a vision of this assembly in Midland, when the church was in Midland, where she saw the firing flame of the Holy Ghost above the building, he spoke to me in audible voice and said, you will be the next pastor of that church. You see, when he says that, that means he has appointed that. That's by his divine appointment, his direction. For you see, one cannot call himself, one cannot anoint himself, nor can one appoint himself. That's an impossibility. For the only ones who are qualified to do such things, of course, are the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, as the head of the church, upon this rock I will build my church. Didn't he? He said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, I hold that privilege for myself. I'm going to be the one that's going to do the building. Now, you're going to cooperate with me and co-labor with me, but I'm going to be the one to reserve this responsibility in myself. I will do the calling, the appointing, the anointing, and set people in their respective offices so that I can design the work that needs to be done. Well, I stated, and I'm just reiterating a few points, that so many get involved and caught up with doing what they want to do for God that they never really get involved in doing what God wants to do for them, so they leave that undone. Did you get that? Everyone understand that? We get so caught up and can get so caught up in doing what we want to do for God that we neglect to do what God wants us to do for Him. We leave that undone. You can live and die. A church, such as our church, this fine church right here, we can go for many years and exist doing the things we want to do for God and never really fulfilling what God wants us to do for Him. You know, that makes me shudder. I said that makes me tremble to think that we can do that. That's not my desire. That's not my plan. It's my desire and plan to fulfill what God would have done in this place. See, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain. Who build it? You may build it, but my goodness, your labor is in vain. And when people endeavor to get out there and do their thing, they may build a house, they may build a church that names the name of Christ and preaches and teaches God's holy word, but if God wasn't in it, if God didn't ordain it, he didn't build a house. And the anointing of God does not rest there. He can only bless his people in a limited way because they are his children, but yet they'll never enter into the fullness of what God has for them as a people because, you see, they are violating the commandment of God. I said that faith to do God's work does not originate in the heart of a man. And I illustrated it by saying that we bought nine acres of property down the street over here because we were in need of expansion. And we spend much money endeavoring to set things in order so that we can build. But you see, God wasn't in that. 
God wasn't in that. And thank God we were sensitive enough to the Spirit to stop when we did. And pursue, of course, what His plan was. To follow what His ideas were. Consequently, we ended up here in this particular building and saved ourselves not only a whole bunch of money, but a lot, but a lot of heartache and misery. We averted a lot of trouble. Because, you see, even though we are a body of believers who love God, to do something like that would have been out of the plan of God. We would have been pursuing our own plans and purposes. We would have been doing what we wanted to do. And so many, my brother and sister, do this, but yet they want God to help them. And the Father says, I can only help them in a limited way. I cannot bless them fully like I want to because if I do that would mean that my, my hand of approval is upon what they're doing. And you see, if he didn't cause the work or start the work by speaking to an individual's heart, then you see, he's not responsible to see that work to the end. Because you see, faith originates in the heart of God. And when God says do this or the Father says do that, then you have faith to do it. If he doesn't say to do it, then you see, although you're doing something that may be good, you're not doing the thing he wants you to do. Is that understood? That shouldn't be too difficult to understand. You see, that's why I've said many times, you can get caught up and do a lot of things for God, but you see, if God didn't instruct you, then what you're actually doing is just you're doing what you want to do for God. You're not doing what God wants you to do for him. And there's a big difference there. Because you see, God's power and anointing is turned up as we act in obedience to him, to his will. Did you know that? If you don't act in obedience to Him, then, of course, you short-circuit the power of God. And it's so important that we understand that because I'm just going to flat-out say it to you. The Father's been speaking to my heart. He wants to turn up the power to a greater degree and a greater measure. Well, what was God's plan and purpose when He called us and said, I want you to go there? Well, His plan and purpose is unfolding. And what he is saying is, is we could, of course, just listen to what has been preached and understand. He's been saying, I want you to restore. I want you to rebuild. I want you to bring restoration. And I want a rebuilding process to begin in this place. That's what he said. That's what he wanted done. Well, we found out that that's going to involve understanding his blueprints and carrying them out so that the building can be according to his design. We said it's going to involve the heart attitudes and the motives and desires of people because the temple of God or the house of God is no longer built with man's hands. It's, it's not a, a building of stone and mortar. It's a building comprised of the spirits of just men made perfect. And we have to understand that. In Numbers, if you'll turn there with me, we talked about what took place in the lives of the children of Israel when they, of course, under the leadership of Moses, were instructed to enter into a place in God called Canaan's land, which represented a place in God where he can be God to them in the full sense of the term. And we illustrated how these people failed to enter in 
not because it wasn't God's will, but because they failed to change their heart, attitudes, motives, and desires. See, they failed to line up with what God wanted done in their midst. And consequently, they failed to enter in. You have to read Numbers 13 and 14. We don't have time to do all that because there's so much that we want to say. Well, you see, God desires also in this place to bring us to a place in Him where He could manifest Himself in a greater measure of His glory and power. Remember the one teaching we did, Restoration or Restoring the Temple, where we talked about how the Father so desires to have us experience a deeper walk of intimate reality with Him. And, of course, one thing we talked about was a deeper manifestation of His glory and power. See, I don't know how much we recognize or understand this, but, you know, God wants to be God in our midst. Oh, my brother and sister, I mean God wants to be God in a sense that He wants to manifest the full measure of His glory, of His power, of His loving kindness, of His tender mercies, of His power to provide, to protect, and to preserve, to deliver, to heal, to draw men into Himself. He wants to be God among us in the full sense of the term and of the word. He wanted to do that for them. He longed to take them to that place where He could be God to them and they would worship Him as God and He would bless their bread and bless their water and, and take sickness and disease away from the midst of them. He longed to manifest His glory like that. But when they fell short, look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 21. And when they fell short, he just began to cry out and said, But as truly as I live, saith the Lord, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now that's a scripture, my goodness, we can shout about, but I, I don't believe he said it so that we can shout about it. I believe it was out of a heart that was wanting to bless people so much that he felt as if, my goodness, my people are not allowing me to bless them and manifest my glory among them like I want to. But I'm saying to, to you people that one day my glory is going to be revealed and manifest on all the earth. That you'll see that I'm going to be allowed to live among my people in full measure of my power. Do you see that? We came right up to the point of entering in to the place of realizing this desire of God. But the plan, the purpose, and the desire of God was destroyed right there. Why? Well, look at Numbers 14, verse 1 and 2. And all the congregation lifted up, their voice cried, and people wept that night, and all the children of Israel and murmured. Everyone say murmured. Murmured. Say it again, murmured. Murmuring prevented them from experiencing God's best. Murmuring, now notice, murmuring. No, it wasn't fornication. It was not, now they got judged for some of those sins, but it was murmuring from within the body. Murmuring, complaining from within the body caused them to fail. Because, you see, the house of the Lord is a house that cannot be destroyed and will never be destroyed from without. 
the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. But now, my brother and sister, when Jesus said that a house divided against itself can't stand, he's not talking about other houses. He's talking about even the house of God. If there is division within the temple of God, if there is murmuring and complaining that produces division within the body of Christ, within the temple of God, how are they going to stand? How are they going to stand before God and, and expect to experience the full blessings that God has to offer them? How? It's impossible. Because a house divided can't stand. And that's what happened here. Division uh, was wrought among them. And because of the division that existed here, they could not enter in. And I want you to know that it broke the Father's heart. He just was not pleased with, with what he saw. Well, we see that they failed to comply with his commands and demands to, to flow with his spirit and to follow uh, the angel of the Lord that he sent before them all in. And consequently, they failed. But now notice verse 25 or 24 rather in verse 24 the, the Lord says Jehovah speaking says but my servant Caleb because wherever you see a word because notice notice because this is the reason why some people say well God's doing this because he just wants to do that he wants to bless Caleb and thank you know thank him he's God let him be God bless Caleb no it doesn't say that it doesn't say he blessed Caleb and Joshua because he wanted to and he's sovereign it doesn't say that it said because he Caleb had another spirit with him. Well, what kind of a spirit did he have within him? Notice this. Hath followed me fully. Everybody say followed. Fully. See, we can say it this way. Caleb decided to follow the plan, the purpose, and the will of God for his life. He, fought, he decided to pursue it with the whole heart. And it didn't matter what obstacles came his way or what seemingly insurmountable mountains were placed before him, he decided from the depth of his being that I would follow God all the way in. I will pursue his plan, his purpose, no matter what. And the Bible says here, and believe me, it's God speaking himself. He says, because he had another spirit with him, because he followed or pursued my plan and purpose fully, him will I bring in the land. And not only will he possess it, but his seed will possess it also. In other words, he's going to get in there and the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the supernatural will be made manifest, of course, among him and his people, his children, his children's children. Think about that. That's what God desires. That's what he wanted. Well, what happened to those who failed to comply with his commands? Well, the Bible says here that they died in the wilderness in a 40-year period. Look at verse 34. And after the number of the days in which he searched the land, even 40 days each day for a year... You shall bear iniquities even forty years, and you shall know my breach or revoke of promise. Now, I want you to notice. They spent all that time in that wilderness, and they died. They died in that wilderness without experiencing the best that God had for them. My brother and sister, please listen to me. There comes a time in a body, in a, lo a local body, in any ministry, when people who fail to comply with the demands, commands, the leadings of the Spirit of God, will be denied entrance into the full promises of God. And you know that God has to wait many times, on many occasions, until some people die and are removed from the scene before His work can continue on in that place? Did you know that? There are many churches within many denominations where God cannot move like He wants to and bless like He wants to in full measure in full demonstration of His power. Why? Because there are those who stand in the way. 
they stand in opposition. And consequently, he cannot fulfill his plan and purpose. God doesn't just turn up the power automatically, my brothers and sisters. It's turned up according to people following fully or wholly from their hearts his plan and purpose. People fitting into place finding out where they belong within the body, becoming a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine, saying, this is my ministry, I will fulfill it. Knowing what their ministry is. Not looking to somebody else to determine what their ministry is. Looking to God. And expecting Him to make the way for that ministry of yours to be fulfilled. Do you see that? It's so important, my brother and sister, to understand this. Because there comes a time when people will be denied entrance into the full blessings of God. I want you to notice another scripture here. And back up, let's see, to verse 22. Verse 22. Because, now notice another, that same word, circle that. Underline it, whatever you do. Highlight it in your Bible. Underscore it, whatever you do. Because all those men which have seen my glory. All those men which have seen my glory. And my miracles. They saw the glory of God. They saw the miracles of God, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not. Notice, they saw His glory. They saw His miracles, but they did not hearken to His what? His what? I want you to make note of this if you've never done it. Miracles, signs, and wonders are designed to motivate the people of God to believe God. I'm talking about believing His Word by faith. Signs and wonders and miracles are designed to motivate the people of God, to arrest their attention, to motivate them to believe His Word. He said, but they saw them, but they weren't motivated to believe My Word. That's faith, to live by faith. The just shall not live by signs and wonders. The just shall live by faith. But because... They didn't do it. It was an act of willful neglect and disobedience. They are denied entrance into my full blessings. And I've seen this happen in the Pentecostal movement of today. Charismatic movement of today. People run everywhere to get signs and wonders and don't want to get rooted and grounded in the Word of God. They don't want to live by faith. They want to live by signs and wonders and miraculous happenings and manifestations. Of the Spirit of God. That's never been God's design. It never will be. God has designed, planned, purpose, and designed that the just shall live by what? By faith. But because they saw the glory, they saw the miracles, and many, uh, many of us, we've had miracles, we've seen the glory of God, we've seen signs and wonders, but we are not to live like that. We are to live by faith in the Word of God. It was all designed to motivate us to live by faith, you see, once they saw those signs and wonders, they were responsible to do what? They were under solemn responsibility to look to the Word of God and to develop their faith in the Word of God. But they did not do that. A body of people did not do that, and they were denied entrance into the full blessings, the full promises of God. And all it means is this. God could not turn up the degree or the measure of the glory and the anointing among them to provide all that they needed. He could not do that. He was limited in how much glory He can provide. In some cases, you've heard it, Ichabod is written. Why? The glory of the Lord has what? Departed. Why? Not because he wanted to, but because people have shut him out. 
So we said we can't just stop on one wave. We've got to follow every wave. And when that wave comes to shore, then go on back on the next wave of the Spirit that's coming in. If one emphasizes the new birth, then get born again. The other one emphasizes the baptism of the Holy Ghost, get on that wave and ride it on in. And then the next one's going, to, going to, to do what? It's going to emphasize, let's say, living by faith, the charismatic living by faith, the word of faith. Get on that, learn all that you can, ride it all the way in. People say to me right now, why aren't you teaching a lot more on faith right now? Well, because you see, that's not the wave. Now, we've got a hold of the teaching. We've got a library. We've got a lot of tapes in there if you want to hear teaching on faith. We've got Brother Hagin's tapes in there. I've got some teachings on tapes. We've got access to a lot of good teaching on tape. But right now, the move of the Spirit, the wave of the Spirit is to bring restoration of the manifestations of the Spirit of God so that the character of God, the holiness of God, and the power of God is once again present within the temple of the living God. And He wants us to be accurate in the manifestations of His Spirit he wants us to have perfected praise so that we can cause an atmosphere of His Spirit to move and we can be flowing with Him accurately in proper understanding and not just be out there just doing our own thing, building our own churches, building our own houses. So, my brother and sister, we, have to, we see right here that, that this hasn't changed. God wants us to live by faith. Now, here it is if you're ready for it. Divisions caused the, the house to fall. It, caused, it was caused by murmuring, we saw in chapter 14, verse 1 and 2, and complaining. Murmuring and complaining caused the house to fall. It prevented the, the work of God from being done. That is not persecution from without. That is unrest from within. You make note of that. That was not persecution from without. That was unrest from within. They could not catch the vision. That was not persecution from without. That was unrest from within. Now, turn with me to Second Chronicles, if you will, please, chapter 29. Second Chronicles, chapter 29, while I'm finishing this. Persecution from without can be easily handled. But murmuring... And complaining from within will always divide or bring division and destroy the work of God. It will prevent people from fulfilling the plan and the purpose of God. We said that God wants His house to be a house of first and foremost what? Purity. We said that murmuring is a symptom of impurity within the heart. We said that one who chooses to follow the plan and purpose of God has a pure heart. One who chooses to do his or her own thing, to pursue his or her own goals, even to do things for God that he or she wants to do, that is impurity within the heart. See, that's not a pure heart. And we want to have pure hearts before God. In other words, we don't want happening among us what we want. We want happening among us what God wants. It would have been an impure thing had those in leadership here in this assembly pushed for that building to be built. That is impure before God. Why? It's born of human emotion. As a matter of fact, even, even the architect said, and I say it with as much love as I possibly can, you got faith. You're a faith people. You got faith to do it. You know, some charismatics that just come to the faith walk, they would say, yeah, we can do it, brother. And that just shows that there's so much ignorance when it comes to faith. People don't understand faith. You don't have faith where the Word of God wasn't spoken. All you have 
is presumption and foolishness. We are not building the house. We are not the wise master builders. He is. We're following his plans. We're co-laborers with the wise master builder. And so you see, when he witnessed to our spirits that this would be a, a, a wrong step, we shut down the plans. My brother and sister, we're talking about some money here. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? But we shut down the plans right then. Doesn't matter how much we spent. Doesn't matter how far you're in. Thank God for a way out. Because it pays, my brother and sister, in the long run to be in the will of God. It costs to be out of the will of God. And oh, it's so easy to miss it. Because you see, emotion, we're, we're, we're spiritual, we're emotional beings. There's a fine line between the two. Only the Word can discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Only the Word can divide asunder soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And we didn't have the Word of the Lord. So we, that lighthouse... You see, lit up on the inside. This is not my will. This is my will. And of course, we've been blessed for it. Well, murmuring and complaining, as I said, as we saw here, can cause the work of God to be thwarted, to be stopped, and can cause the power to diminish instead of be turned up. See, God wanted His glory to be made manifest among them and to fulfill their every need. But you see... That couldn't happen because of their disobedience and neglect. Consequently, you know, the father's heart was saddened. And he says, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to wait some years, now 40 years, to do it through Joshua. That wipes out a generation, doesn't it? I've got to wait and do it through Joshua. Whew. My goodness, how many churches are suffering right now because God's got to wait for somebody to die and get out of the way. Can you imagine how many of them died in the wilderness a day? Every single day bearing all those people. You think them young ones having to bury all those people? Wised up? You think they got smart? I think they did. And they said, my goodness, it doesn't pay. It costs to be out of the will of God. It pays to serve God. And they were a people who did not complain because when Joshua said, it's time for us to round the walls of Jericho, those big walls were up, my brother and sister. But Joshua got his direction from heaven and, and the Father said by his Spirit to tell them to keep quiet. And then when I say to shout, go ahead and shout. Do you see that? There's a difference between those who were disobedient and used their tongues improperly and those who were obedient and did what they're supposed to do with their mouths. And those walls came tumbling down. I'll be honest with you, those other ones built up walls between God and his people. You might as well make that the nugget of truth. Murmuring and complaining will build up a wall between you and your God. It will. God resists the proud. The pr proud gives grace to the humble. Now, let's Second Chronicles 29, verse 11. Let's read this first. I, I have to say something here, but I'm going to wait. Let's look verse 11. My sons, be not now negligent. For the Lord hath chosen you to stand before Him, to serve Him, that you should minister unto him and burn incense or offer a sacrifice to him. Now, the word here, minister, in the Hebrew means to attend as a menial, M-E-N-I-A-L, or a household servant or slave, to attend as a menial or worshiper. And, of course, we understand as sons of God, we are called and chosen to stand before him 
to do both, to serve Him and to worship Him. We know that. Well, now notice it says to serve, and notice it says here to offer sacrifice. That's what worship is, to offer sacrifice. Well, make note of this. To serve means to comply with His commands and demands. It means to comply with His commands and demands. Or the unctions of His Spirit, any way you want to say it. To serve means to comply with His commands or demands. Now, notice to sacrifice means the destruction or the surrender of something for something else. The destruction or the surrender of something for something else. And put those two things together. We've been called to stand before Him or chosen to stand before Him to comply with His commands and to comply with His demands. We've been called to stand before Him to surrender something and offer up the destruction of something for something else. That's why we've been called or chosen or set apart unto God. So that we can offer up ourselves unto Him in surrendering some things, offering sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices, and of course, serving or complying with His commands and demands. Now, First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, let's turn to there quickly. And I want to get these scriptures out and then I'll make the comment that I have to make. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And it's close by, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We know what the Scriptures say, but we'll just look at them. Now, 1 Peter 2, 2, 5 says, He also as lively stones are built up in spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. Notice, we are a spiritual house, chosen by God, called out by God to stand before Him, to serve Him, and also to worship Him or offer sacrifices unto Him. Well, our sacrifices are spiritual sacrifices. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, our spiritual worship and duty. We are to comply with His demands and commands, and we are also to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Now, go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And in the Amplified Bible, it says, and I'll read it here. You can follow me in the King James, unless you have your Amplified. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg, you, beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, wholly devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after the adapt and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and new attitudes, so that you may prove your, for yourselves what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God, even the thing in which is good, acceptable, and perfect in His sight for you. Now hold that thought in mind. We've been chosen to stand before Him to mortify our physical lusts and to surrender our own heart, attitudes, motives, and desires, our will, to Him. To put to death, to mortify, to surrender our own will. What we want to do with our lives, our bodies, every member of our bodies, whether it be our tongues, our hands, our walk, what we hear, what we think, our minds. Offer your, sacrifice, your mind as a sacrifice unto God, as a spiritual act of worship unto God. Why? Look at, the next, look at that verse uh, again. Verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. 
that you may prove what is that good, what is that acceptable, what is that perfect will of God for who? For who? For who? See, people want someone else to give this information to them. But God is saying, unless my people would come before me and offer up their bodies, their physical members, their faculties, their own desires, their own will, surrender themselves over to me and mortify the lusts that war within their members, giving all these things over to me, they'll never be able to prove the good, acceptable, perfect will that I have for them. Their minds have got to be renewed to what my plan, purpose, and will is for them. If not, they're never going to prove it out. And they failed to do that back there in, in Numbers. Do you see that? They failed to do that. That's why so many disbelieve that God can keep us healthy and whole and provide and all that, because people fail to prove it out. Thank God under the, the leadership of Joshua, they tasted of that. But beloved, we are under the new covenant. We have access to this and even more. And God is saying, I want a dedication, a consecration of all your faculties. I want a sacrifice to be made. I want people to sacrifice their bodies, their lusts that war within their members, their own ideas, their own pursuits, their own goals. I want them to surrender all these things up to me in exchange for. Are you ready for this? See, it's an act of exchange. You can't get it without offering a sacrifice. See, to sacrifice means to give one thing in exchange for something else. When they made sacrifice under the Old Covenant, they sacrificed an animal, the blood of an animal, but what did they get in return? Covering for their sin. See, they got something in return for it. So many want to know what God wants, but my brother and sister, unless we offer ourselves as a sacrifice unto God as we give our minds over to Him, as we give our hearts, our bodies, our body members over to Him, when we give ourselves as living sacrifices to do His will. See, we did that when we were called upon. And I never realized the depth of it, but when He said, go, sell all, go to Tulsa, do all these things, leave that house you wanted. Those were emotional desires that we had. We always wanted to live on that street. We always wanted to live in a house like that. We finally got the, the house that we've always desired, that, that we always wanted to have. The street that we wanted to live on. Life was going pretty good. Had a good job, had good benefits, had provisions. In the natural, we were set up okay. It's, 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 I mean, it's not great, but I mean, it's okay. It's what we desire. We don't desire anything more than that. This is what we want with our lives. And now we're, we've even got the Lord now. We're heading in the right direction. He says, sell all, forsake all, follow me. Give up your plans. Give up your pursuits. Give up your own emotional desires. Give up your, the things you want out of life. Cause, cause everything that you possess to be turned over or surrendered over unto me as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice unto me. And I'll exchange my desires for yours. I'll exchange my strength for yours. I'll give you my wisdom. I'll give you my blueprints for your life. I'll map it out for you. I'll order the steps of your life. I'll give you a, des a house so designed you'd be unable to receive it all. Amen. That's what the sacrifice is. That's what he's talking about. That's why we've been set apart. That's why we've been chosen and called. God stand before him. Find James chapter 3. And are you ready for it now? 
See, this is what enables us to prove out what is His good, acceptable, and perfect will for our lives, my brother and sister. This is what enables us to do this. Otherwise, we're never going to find out what it is. James chapter 3. And before we look at the, at the first couple of verses there, I need to state this because so many misunderstand. We are called to do what? To comply with His commands and demands. I made a statement last Sunday night, or last Wednesday night, I'm going to reiterate that statement because I have to. Because the Lord has spoken to my heart and said to me that if we don't comply with His demands and commands, then we're just, He's not going to be able to turn up the power. But if we do, then He will be able to turn up the power. And I said that there are those, I, there are those who, I, I don't know whether you understand it or not, my, my prayer is, my prayer is that you do understand. My prayer is that your heart is open to the Spirit of God and you'll hear these words accurately by the power of His Spirit. I said that if we didn't comply with His demand to disassociate with the Christian churches of North America at the time that we did, if we didn't do that, then He, our Father, would not be able, would not have been able to turn up the power. You see, my brother and sister, He's the head of the church. We are not. Oh, would to God that we would understand that. We're to comply with His demands. We're not to pursue our own desires. We're not to be satisfied in, in our own traditions and religious ideas. We're not God. If He says, I'm doing a new thing and this is a fresh beginning unto you, and if He says, this is my plan, I've drawn it out, I've blueprinted it out, and this is what I want you to do, and if you'll do that, I'll turn up the power. I'll turn up the power. But if you don't do it, you'll be disobedient and neglecting what, and omitting what I would ask you to do and what I would ask of thee. And because of that, I will be unable to take you to the place that I want to take you. I'll be unable to bring you into the land uh, that, that floweth with milk and honey. I'll be unable to do that. Oh, my brother and sister, if we didn't obey God, if we were disobedient unto God, then our Father God would have been unable. Why do you think so many never go any further? Why do you think so many never achieve more? Do you think that we have all of God there is? <laughs> oh my goodness. Do we have all of God that there is? We are so far from that. We've come a long way in following and complying with His commands and demands for our, this ministry here. But my brother and sister, there is a long way to go. I said there is a long way to go. And if we stop now, then He cannot turn up the power. If we don't accurately interpret the flow of the Spirit and move with God. See, we, we first moved in this building and not too long after that, we said that we're going to build another building or expand. Do you remember that? Well, because you see, we have a need. And when you have a need, that's what you do. We got together, we, we sought out some things and, and, and viewed some things and inspected some things. And my brother and sister, I'll be, I'll be quite frank, my brother Chuck's right over there. He had to help me confirm this, but I believe that we have probably right now could have paid cash for, the, for what it would cost to, to build an addition, a building that we were looking at that we would have, could have, and we could, we could do that right now. Do you understand what I, what I mean when I say we had to check in our spirit and just not to do that? And so we didn't do it. We still have needed more, more uh, rooms. We do, but we didn't do that. We're not building this structure ourselves. We can do it in the natural. Oh, but dear God, we don't want to do it natural. You know how many times we've been asked to have a, 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 a school, a Christian school here? 
do you think that we don't want to, to provide our, uh, the best? I just don't have that in my spirit right now. You see, being called and anointed and having a church doesn't qualify us to do what we want to do. I'm, gonna go be, I'm just going to take one step further and just be as bold as I can. I know I was criticized because I didn't have satellite in this place. I just won't even tell me. You know, there's another mistake you made thinking that. Didn't say it to me. If we'd had satellite, that would have been one of the biggest mistakes we ever made in this church. If you knew the destruction, ruination that came to many churches and how many churches were split apart because of satellite, that was averted. A lot of trouble was averted because we didn't step out and do that. But at the time, it seemed like it was the flow of emotion. Mark it down. Along with the flow of the spiritual, there was the flow of the emotional. And there are so many that get in the flow with the emotional that they neglect the flow with the spiritual. And they think the emotional is the spiritual, and it's not. Now, you know what? I'm still open. If the Lord still says, now it would be good for you to have satellite. I say, okay, Lord. See, all the problems are over. Go ahead and put it in now. Okay. Do you understand that? And who knows, maybe two, three, four, five years down the road, Lord willing, we may have a Christian school. But my brother and sister, because you stand behind a pulpit and, and are anointed and appointed to an office, does not license you to be the head of the church. Do you understand that? This is not my, bo- this is not my church. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I will build my church. No one else. He has reserved that to himself. Only he and the Father can call, anoint, and appoint people to stand in offices of ministry. And only he can lead us and direct us by his Spirit to take the necessary steps to fulfill his design for this facility. And look, I, I weep with every single one of you. If you've wept because we have disassociated with the Christian church, I'll weep with you. But you know what, my brother and sister? I just refuse. I refuse. The day that I start being a people pleaser, the day I start being like a Saul, says the people told me to do this, the people told me to do that, is the day I'll say, that's it, Lord. He is the head of the church. If he said disassociate, and oh, you know it's going to be tough, but if he said do it, who, are you going to, who am I going to argue with? That thing was building within our hearts, not just for one month, but for years. We did everything in our power to comply with everything. We did everything within our power to ignore the issue. But the inevitable came, he said, by his Spirit, Witnessing strongly within our hearts. This is my plan for you. Do you understand that? And when you say no, you don't say no to Pastor Bill. When you say no, I refuse, you don't say no to the board. Jehovah himself said, tell them, they don't murmur against you, Moses. They murmur against me. And I stand before you this night to say that we have, and I have, in my own personal life, sought the Lord for everything that we do in this ministry. And yes, I'm a human being. I'm capable of missing it. I've heard great men of God say how many times they've missed it. 
but I do my best to stay before God and I wait to stay behind God so that the decisions that have to be made are anointed of God so that what we do is ordained of God because if I build the house, it crumbles. So what are you saying about all this tonight? I'm saying that there are things that have to take place that go cross-grain with many that cannot be helped. Do you understand that? There will always be those who say, I don't want to do that. And there will be those who say, well, then we should do that. And so you're, you are between a rock and a hard place. Do you understand that? Because you're going to get 50 people mad at you if you make this decision. And you're going to get some who just don't care. And there's many who just don't care about what's going on. They have, they're not interested in what God's doing. But you see, my brother and sister, I don't want God mad at me. I said, I don't want God mad at me. And so you're in that position. You're in that place. So what do you do? You tell the people just like Moses did. Je Jehovah said, now you go and tell these people that they're murmuring not against you, but against me. Not against Joshua and Caleb. Tell them they're murmuring. You ever read that? Go back to, second, go, go back to Numbers. Let's read it again. Let's look at that. Chapter 14, verse 1. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, people wept that night. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword? Notice, the Lord brought us. The Lord brought us out. They acknowledged that. But why? Well, why, why does God bring anybody out of anything? Why, are we going to die now? I, I, you hear all comments. Well, now we're going to die. Church is going to fall apart. Church is not going to fall apart. I said, this church is not going to fall apart. Amen. I had intercessors tell me, when we're down on the hill over there, this church is going to fall apart. We leave. And they've been gone. This church is not falling apart. Some of them fell apart, but this church hasn't fallen apart. Now, look, I, I, I'm not meaning it to be funny. And I'm serious. When I say some of them fell apart, I'm telling you just like it is. Some of them have fallen apart. And I'd be surprised if some hadn't fallen away. Do you see that? Because, see, their ideas about what a church should be like are not God's. We want spectacular things. God never designed that spectacular things lead us. Only arrest our attention. To fall by the sword that our wives and children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? They said to one another, let's make a captain. Ah, we got it going now, boys. Let's make a captain. And let us return to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But may I remind you that Moses came down from a mountain with the glory of the Lord so bright in his face, he had a, they had to put... Uh, uh, covering over his head because they couldn't stand the glory. Yet they murmured. What do you mean? They, they actually said, 
Uh, you mustn't have heard from God. Oh, didn't I? Well, what was that when I came down from that mountain? That wasn't the glory of the Lord on my face? Do you see that, my brother and sister? Even in view of all that, they still rebelled and murmured. Moses and Aaron found their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were with them, searched out the land and rent their clothes, spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it, it's, it's a good and ex exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, he'll bring us into this land, give it to us a land which flows of milk and honey. Rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, and the defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation being stoned them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Everybody say, The Lord said. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I showed among them? I will smite them with the pestilence, disinherit them, make a, of thee a greater and might, na, a nation and mightier than they. Moses said to the Lord, The Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up this people in, the night, in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among his people. Thou, art, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud, a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt call this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness, and now I beseech thee, let thy power and of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering, of great mercy, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even unto now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and wilderness and have tempted me now, these tempted, tempted Moses? Tempted who? These ten times have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me, notice, provoke me, tempted me, But my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him, and followed me fully, him will I bring to the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. The Amalekites, going down verse 26, And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against you, Moses? Against two. Against two. He said, they murmur against me. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, uh oh, saith the Lord, as you have spoken or murmured in my ears, so will I do to you. Now hold that thought. Go back to that James chapter 3. I... Uh, have to read this from the Amplified again. Verse 2, For we all often stumble 
and fall and offend in many things. If any man or if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man able to control his whole body and curb his entire nature. If we, and it talks about the, 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 the tongue. Go to verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating, depraving the whole body, and setting on fire the will of birth, the cycle of man's nature, being itself ignited by hell or Gehenna. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human genius or nature, but the human tongue can be tamed by no man. It's an undisciplined, irreconcilable, restless, evil, full of, everybody say, death, bringing poisons. Say it again. Death, bringing poisons. What is? Their tongue brought them their death. Go back there. Go back there. Numbers. Numbers. Chapter 14 again. Now notice. In verse... 27 again. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swore to make you dwell therein. I swore to make you dwell there. I lifted up my hand to make you dwell there. But you're not going to dwell there, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, but your little ones which you said would be a prey, will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your hordens, until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness, after the number of the days in which you search the land, even forty days each day for a year, even shall you bear your iniquities, even forty years. You shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men, now notice this, which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur, murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. But the tongue, go back there quickly, go back there, James chapter 3. The tongue, verse 8, can no man tame, it's an unruly what? What kind of a report did they bring up against the land? What kind of a report? An evil report against the land. The tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly what? The plague came upon them. They died before the Lord. They opened themselves up unto death and poison because they would not heed the counsel of God. They neglected to flow with God. Look at First Peter. You're close by here. Chapter 3. Very quickly. Verse 9 and 10. 
not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that he or that ye are thereunto called, that you should inherit what a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips that they want. Let him eschew evil and do good, seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Going back to that verse 9, not rendering evil for evil. You've been called to inherit a blessing. They were called to inherit the blessings of God, but they inherited evil. Why? Because they did not control their tongues. Because they refused to stop murmuring and complaining about what God was saying that He wanted for them to do. And my brothers and sisters, the same, these things were written for our admonition. We have got to have the same attitudes that Joshua and Caleb had. We have got to flow with God and not with the ideas of man or of men. We have got to yield our members unto God to righteousness to fulfill His plan and not to do our own thing. When we vote against what God wants done, we don't vote against leadership. We vote against God. Is that understood? When we speak against leadership and we say that, that this isn't done the way I want it done, we're speaking against God in particular if leadership is following God. Is that understood? And when we continue to do that, it brings division. It causes poison to be generated. I want you to turn, if we have a moment here, to, to, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Because this is so, so vitally important. The witness of my spirit says this. The time has come for true sacrifices to be made. We all must begin to surrender our tongues unto God and be, to begin to generate spiritual energy and to stop yielding our tongues unto that which generates evil and deadly poisons. We've heard about the sacrifice of our tongue, offering it up to God. We've talked about it. We've toyed with it. But my brother and sister, because of, of murmuring and complaining, as I told you last week, you talk about oppression and doors of oppression that were open because of murmuring and complaining because people didn't like things being done or they couldn't see things being done. When, when a, an assembly is under an attack of an enemy, people need to pull together and begin to, to hold together and speak positive, speak the Word of God, act in line with, with, with what God would want done and hold fast to the anointing of God. And he's saying to me, he wants us to begin to generate spiritual energy and power in this place like never before. How? By the dedication of our tongues. By people of God dedicating their tongues, offering it to God as a sacrifice, and instead of murmuring and complaining about everything that, that people think is wrong, but beginning to speak out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with melody in their heart unto the Lord, speaking faith words about those in leadership and saying that we are following the plan, the purpose, and the will of God so that we don't miss the mark, so that we don't make near mistakes like we did in the building process. 
and beginning to speak out in a positive way against those who are involved in, in any facet of ministry in this place, saying that, that we give ourselves into prayer to the, to the anointing of God to boldly proclaim the truth and, and to minister by the unction and the anointing of the Spirit of God, and that we are divinely led and directed by the Spirit of God to put people in positions of authority and leadership so that what is birthed in this place is only that which is of the Spirit because it's by the Spirit that the yoke is broken. It's by the Spirit that the work is done and the house is built. Amen. And stop murmuring about who did this and what did, who did that and who did this here. My goodness, I say it like this. I say it just like this. The day I'll ever expose who did what and who did this and who did that is if you get up here and expose your life before all these people. You ready to do that? You expose what you did wrong and I'll ex then we can start exposing the people what others did wrong. Who's willing to do that? Thank God for his endless mercy. Let's pick up and go on. Amen? I said, thank God for His endless mercy. Let's pick up and go on. Oh, those diversions are sidetracks. Why? To get us away from the plan of God. To get me involved in things. To get those leadership involved in things that take us away from seeking the counsel of God. That's all they are. So you see, my brother and sister. Mind, you see, let's mind our own thing. Let's be concerned about me. You be concerned about you. I'll be concerned about me and my family. Be concerned about you and your family. And praise God, let's everybody just be concerned about ourselves, mind our own business, do our own thing, and join ourselves together in the power of the Spirit. And let God take care of His work. Amen? Glory to God. Amen. That's exactly what He's saying to us. You want a long life? You want to see good days? Refrain your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Don't set in motion or generate spiritual, or, or spiritual poisons that will contaminate and destroy the work of God from within. Don't do that. Generate the power of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Where are we at there? Notice this. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Uh, back it up. Back it up to verse uh, 15. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Here we've got it right here. He's telling that to the church. Church at Ephesus. Don't be unwise, be wise. Redeem the time. Well, how, brother? This is the will of God. Don't be drunk with wine, where is in excess. Be being filled with the Spirit by yielding your tongue to speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for all things, of course, submitting yourself. He's telling us here that the only way we can redeem the time, understand the will of God, and flow in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, have the Spirit of God manifest Himself among us, is by yielding this unruly member of our body, our tongue, under speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, so that we can make a spiritual environment in this place, so that we can be filled to overflowing and maintain a Spirit-filled life. Then you'll know what the will of God is, then you'll have an understanding of the things of the Spirit. You'll know how to redeem the time. You'll be wise or walk in the wisdom of God. You'll manifest the wisdom of God. You'll have direction to your spirit, illumination to your mind. Your life will be spirit-filled. You'll have an environment for God to move by His Spirit, and genuine submission can be wrought among you. All those things, he's saying. A result of what? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Now, I don't know if you're ready to receive this or not, but, it's t but God's ready to give it. God's ready to give it. The Pentecostal has been guilty of using the tongue for wrong things for too long. 
You've been given a divine tongue to speak in tongues to yourself and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to make melody in your heart to the Lord and not to sow discord and not to use it for any evil purpose. Amen. Not to come to church in an emotional frenzy and speak out in tongues for about a half a minute and have somebody uh, try to interpret it. God gave us a brand new tongue to communicate with heaven. God gave us a brand new tongue, a means of spiritual edification. God gave us a brand new tongue, a means to generate supernatural ability and power to draw from His strength, draw from His wisdom and generate this power so it can flow in a mighty way. There is no excuse for a Pentecostal church not to have the dynamics of the Spirit in operation. There's no excuse for us not to have the supernatural power of God manifested in such a way that the greater signs, the greater wonders and, and miraculous events should be occurring among us, within us, and through us like never before. There's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for a Pentecostal church to fall apart because we have that one thing that produces unity. It is the unity of faith, but it's by the unity of the what? Spirit. And how do we have the unity of the Spirit? By maintaining a Spirit-filled life. By yielding this thing unto God. Why we've been chosen? To offer spiritual sacrifices. A surrender of our bodily members. How? If you yield the tongue, you control the whole body. That means you prevent fornication. That means you prevent adultery. That means you prevent murmuring and complaining. That means you prevent generating spiritual poisons that contaminate the body corporately and individually. We're praying for people to be healed from cancer, but yet not knowing that the tongue, the deadly poisons have been released because of the tongue. And they're not going to be healed, my brother and sister, until they repent before God. Do you see the, the scope of God? Oh, I've got so much. I have got so much revelation rising up inside my spirit. It's, I, I don't know. It's like I can preach for months. We we walk these floors right over here, and the spirit of the Lord spoke. You see, by speaking to yourself in psalms and spiritual songs, you can you generate the activity of the spirit. I just began to speak it out in English, and it's just well, there's a prophecy that we have written down with with virtually saying practically the same thing, you know, just a little bit different. But it was just that revelation shall begin to arise up. It'll rise, it'll rise, and it will begin to flow. It will begin to flow. And I mean, my brother, it has begun to flow like never before. I mean, the depth of the Spirit. See, not talking about new things. We're not talking about wild revelations from afar off. No, we're talking about a deeper dimension, a deeper manifestation, a deeper experience of the things that we already know. What did God say many months ago when we began this teaching? I want my people to walk in, ex in a deeper measure of experienced reality with me. And that's happening right now. You see, and he's speaking to my heart that he wants it to continue and flow in a greater and a mightier way. And whether you recognize it or not, the moment we made a, dis made a decision to disassociate and to begin to follow this other leading of the Lord, do you know what happened? That, that degree of anointing power of God was turned up immediately. Now you say, does God mean he doesn't like other people? No, no, no. No, God says, I am building this house in this Christian assembly. And it means that you've got to take this turn and go that way. And so you say, yes, sir, Lord. I'll be quite frank with you. That's the hardest thing I said we'd ever have to do, Father. I mean, I don't really particularly care to do something like that. I don't want to do that. I've had other AMA graduates walk into a church. The moment they graduate, walk around the church, said, we're leaving. All this 
steeped in tradition stuff. We're leaving. Split the church right down the middle. Everybody went their way. Broke it all apart. That wasn't no more God. Amen. I'll be quite frank. I'd have rather have him say, well, you can do it this way. So we don't have to do anything like that. But the inevitable always comes. You've got to do this or disobey. And when he says, you do this or else, <laughs> I'm not about to give up that, that realm of God. I said, are you? I'm not giving up that realm in God. Are you? See, I don't understand that. Well, I pray that God will give enlightenment. God cannot turn up His power among us without our cooperation. You understand that? You don't give a child power to destroy himself with, do you? But when that child shows responsibility and shows that he can handle power, then he gets more power and authority. God's the same way. He doesn't just give us the, the, the full measure. He says, you would know, you probably knock your heads together, knock yourselves out. Look what goes on in charismatic circles right now. They think everything's, it's, it's, it's mostly emotional inspired. Can you imagine with a little bit turn up on that? I'm saying some things that are coming out of my spirit that are deep within my heart, my brothers and sisters, because I'm saying to you tonight that God, our Father, has called us to inherit the fullness of the blessings. And He is saying, I want my, I want my people to cooperate with me this night and begin to be sincere in joining hand in hand together in the unity of faith, the unity of the Spirit, and beginning yielding that tongue, that member, that one member that caused them to fail to enter the fullness of the blessings that God provided for them and use it to generate my power and stop generating the spiritual poisons that contaminate the people of God. If you love long life and see good days, let him refrain his lips, his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is what? Is what? Amen. Glory. I know it's tough. I told you when I get hot potatoes, I'm passing them on to you. Didn't I tell you that a while ago? You thought I was kidding? I'm not kidding. Now, we've asked for change, every single one of us. Praise us, come on up here. Every single one of us. You know what we've asked? You know what we prayed for? Father God, he, see, you, we pray, oh, Father, heal so-and-so. Father, bless so-and-so. And thank God that, that he does. But we prayed this. Our desire is to be a people that are well-pleasing to you. Our desire is not to have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Our desire is to flow with you accurately, to move with you accurately, to do what you would have us to do so that we can say that your will is wrought in this place and being done in this place and not man's plans. Yes, we could have another building on this property right now, even paid for. And we need the room. But what are you waiting on? God. God, that's who we're waiting on. We're waiting on God. Why is he being this? My brother and sister, because he needs us all to cooperate. Stop thinking about situations and circumstances. Start focusing in on what God is doing. Start yielding your tongue to pray in the Holy Ghost, to speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, to make melody in your heart to God. And as you begin to faithfully do that, you will generate the power of God that will usher us into a dimension, a realm in God that heretofore we've never experienced. And if we'll begin to do that faithfully, we will put the enemy to flight. We will 
begin to destroy the poisons that have been generated to corrupt the lives of people. We will see spirits delivered and set free. We will begin to see minds coming uh, back into wholeness and soundness and preservation. We'll begin to see bodies. And I'm going to dare say it. I believe that God, I, and I'm, like I said, out of my spirit, I just believe that the Father God wants to move us to a place that He can even restore body parts that have been removed. I believe that because I will never be one to say that our God has ever changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. We're not waiting on Him. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Now you can throw tomatoes. You can say I'm joining in. You can yield up your emotions like I have. You think I picnic? Think you know you have fun here? You think I have fun here? Yeah, I have picnic every day. You think you've got problems? Try dealing with six hundred more. I told you I'm getting bold as a lion. I just say, you think you've got situations that arise? You know, try dealing with, with what takes place in your own family, and then plus, you know, you've got, you've got the responsibility. Well, I think the Lord said that if you can't take care of your own family, how can you take care of the house of God? Because it's going to be multiplied, magnified that much more. That there you are. Paul says, I took the care of the churches upon me. Didn't he say that? I believe he did. Now, it didn't mean it was right, but he did. Why? Because he had all, if he had had 500, took him, oh, took, he took that care upon himself. For the oversight thereof. Because he had such a longing and a desire, you see. Amen. Oh, my, my, glory. What's God saying to us? He's saying some powerful things to us, my brother and sister. Some powerful things. And I believe that we are responding. Are you responding? Let's all stand before God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.